And this is, this is, if you're a guest, this is such a um, crucial time for our church. It's one of, we're in kind of a process. Uh, it's five weeks, but um, we're calling it a rise. But this series really is the launching pad for the next 24 months of not only what we want to see God do in us individually, but what we want to see God do in and through our church. And so Arise is a 24-month initiative aimed at um, empowering our people. We want to see our people grow. We want to see our people take their next step. We want to see our people identify their purpose and walk in their purpose. Um, and so it's, it's empowering people, expanding our reach. Um, we, we love everybody that's here. We're a family. Um, but we're also wanting to reach more people, aren't we? Found people, find people, and we want to make sure we have space and room and this facility doesn't hold us anymore. And so um, we know that we are doing something, got to do something different if we're going to continue to reach more people. And so um, so we're going to build a building. We have 48 or 49 acres of land, debt-free, paid for by the gracious um the gracious God, our Father, and Jesus Christ, and really generous people, and so uh, we're we're so excited about that, and so we're we're making our next steps towards building our first campus on that 49 acres, or the first phase of it anyway, on that 40, 49 acres, so we can reach more people. And then we talked about what we want to give away uh, in outreach and through our outreach efforts and all of those things. And so, by the way, all this information is in your book, and so hopefully. You've been taking this journey with us over the last five weeks, um, but it's all in your book. But the total, we added all of that up and we said, hey, the next 24 months for us to do what God's called us to do, it will cost $11.24 million. Now, that's a lot of money and I understand that's a lot of money. Now, because our Pathway people are so amazing and generous and they understand discipleship and stewardship, we already have $500,000 of that set aside without even taking an offer. We just have that. And so God is good and faithful. We're already moving that that direction. Um, but what we said is during 24 months, this is what it's going to take for us to do what God's called us to. And so we said, this is our one mission and our one fund. We took everything and put it together. And so we've been walking through this process because our, our first priority is 100% participation in the process of discipleship. Our second priority is that $10 million, right? And we believe when we get discipleship right, stewardship takes care of itself. I, I think a lot of times people, they miss the connection between discipleship and stewardship. And so um, we believe when you get discipleship right, stewardship takes care of itself. And, and so for us, we're just, as a church, we're walking through this together. People are walking through it uh, in their life groups. And, and I just want to say, I've gotten so many amazing testimonies back from our life groups about what God is doing as our life groups. Hopefully you're in one. Hopefully you're keeping up with us. If you're missing any messages at all, you can now watch them online uh, through the website, uh, mypathway.church. You can watch them through your app or you can watch them on YouTube, wherever you want to watch stuff. But you can watch all these messages and keep up with us and make sure you're taking this journey with us. Um, but we're in life groups. And so we meet on the weekends and we have our, our study guy. We take our notes and then we go to our life groups like this afternoon, my life group meets. Uh, and then we'll be watching the, the video for the life group and then we'll be processing together. And I'm hearing so many amazing testimonies. Uh, so many amazing testimonies. Uh, I had a lady the other day said, hey, uh, can, we, can we keep doing this? And I said, sure you can. She's like, no, will you keep doing uh, study guides for your messages and series? Uh, and I'm like, you're going to have to pray for me if, you know, praise Jesus. Uh, anyways, but, but just, and, and I'll tell you what's cool too. I'll tell you what's cool 
is um, our, our kids are doing a version of Arise in kids ministry, and our students are doing a version of Arise in student ministry, and then our high schoolers are breaking out, and on Sunday evenings, they're going through the same life group uh, videos and curriculum that we're all going through. And what was so amazing is uh, we, we were having our life group, and then our son, oldest son Luke, is in, is in the shift group, and so he went to shift, and, um, and then he came back, and he was just telling us all that God had done, um, and not only just in that group, but in his life. Um, that night as they were studying, uh, just going through the curriculum together. And then when I got to the office, Pastor James was telling me God was just moving. Kids were crying. They opened up the auditorium. They were just praying with kids. I mean, that sounds pretty good, doesn't it? You know, if we reach the teenagers, we don't have to repair as many adults. Amen. And so I was pretty excited to hear that before. I'll tell you something else that's cool. Now, last weekend we had um, I think uh, seven people, uh, or nine, nine people, I can't remember, nine, was, I think it was seven adults and two children make decisions for Christ last weekend. Uh, that's awesome. But this, this last Wednesday, yeah, that's really cool. This last Wednesday, we had three students at Switch make decisions for Christ, and they were not our church kids. They didn't go to Pathway. They really hadn't been to Switch. They came with friends, and in, in the message, in the service, they decided to make decisions for Jesus. And so I celebrate that. That is just... That is awesome. And so, so God's doing something in our lives and in our church. And we want to see people empowered. And we, we want to see um, our reach expand. We want to reach more people. And, and we want to see, really, I mean, we really do. We, we want to see that first campus built. We can't stay here. We know that. Uh, we're out of space. And uh, staff meeting is fun because we're always trying to figure out how to get more people somewhere, and it just never works out. And so we know it's time to do that, and we know uh, it's time to um, step, make that step and reach more people, and so we're excited. And so people are saying, well, how is this going to happen? How is this going to happen? Well, you know, here's how it's going to happen, and I'll, I'll be honest because we're just talking. We're friends. Um, it's going to happen through us, right? It's going to happen through us. See, it would be nice. It really would be nice if the kingdom of God... Um, could be built without sacrifice. But the kingdom of God is built on sacrifice. Um, Jesus, right? Jesus came, gave his life so, so that we could step into the kingdom. And, and so he's, he's going to do it. He's going to do it through us. That's really what he's going to do. And, and, and I, you know, for me, I just, I, 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 um, I believe God can. I believe God can use us. Um, and I wish that it didn't take sacrifice, but at the same time, I'm glad it does because usually what costs you nothing isn't worth anything and the kingdom's worth a lot and we come into the kingdom by his grace. That's free, but then it costs us our lives. That's everything. And, um, I want us to step into that and lean into that and be okay with that and understand that there is a connection between stewardship and discipleship. And we don't always see that connection. In fact, sometimes I've talked to people, it's like, well, you know, I, God is God of my life. I just don't want him to touch my checkbook. <laughs> is he really God of your life? And, and it would be great. It would be great if, if God would just come down here and write a check for it. And how many would be like, man, it would be awesome. I know, man, we'd be in construction next week, right, if God would do that. But God works through people. That's the way he works on the earth. He works through people. And, and when God wanted to reach people, he sacrificed, he gave. 
For God so loved the world that he... Now, if we're a church and we say we love the world, what do we have to do? Stewardship and discipleship. See, I like giving, um, not because it's always fun. I can tell you, Julie and I have already made our commitment. We've already given our first offering towards the rise because we believe leaders go first. I can tell you that. And I can tell you that our commitment, God kept changing it. And I can tell you that our commitment is the biggest number we've ever committed. Uh, I can, I, I'm not going to tell you the amount, but I can tell you this. It'll buy a few cars, nice cars. And, and it's, listen, not because we're rich. Because we have a son who needs a car. <laughs> Last night, he's like, thanks, Dad, for giving away my car. <laughs> I'm like, you know, just hang in there, buddy. God's going to honor it, you know. And, and so we're not rich. In fact, when we, when we bought the land, we gave all of our savings. We gave all of our savings, everything we had, we gave to the land. And, and we're doing the same thing. We've committed all of our savings for the building and then even gone beyond that, changed our budget, or we're working on changing our budget. Now we know we have to. We just found that out. But now we know we have to change our budget, so we're going to change our budget. Um, and we're trusting God in, in, in a new way for us. And, and that's, listen, that's what I want everybody to do, trust God in a new way. And because I believe, listen, stewardship and discipleship. You know, Paul said something to the Philippians. They had, the Philippians had actually given Paul an offering. And he said, you know, I'm, I'm grateful, but it's not for the gift. I'm grateful for the fruit that increases to your credit because you gave. And I don't want you to give because I need your money. And I don't want you to give because God needs your money. God wants to work through people. And, you know, if a prophet won't prophesy, he'll raise up a donkey. Come on, somebody. You know Balaam, right? That's where we get the term smart. Anyways, never mind. I'm sorry. I didn't say that. Be nice. And so, you know, God can move through anybody, but it's an opportunity. We get to let God move. We have an opportunity to let God move through us. And, and when we give, it, it does some things. Like it, it really breaks down selfishness. It breaks down our own desires. But it also produces in us the character and nature of God. Because God is a giver. That's his number one value. For God so loved the world that he gave. That's how he saved the world. And that's why God loves a cheerful giver, because God is a cheerful giver. And he loves to see his nature reflected back to him. And so we get to give. And so here's what I'm asking everyone in, in our church to do, every Pathway family. Um, we talked last week about this thing called the giving ladder, right? And this is what it looks like. And we said, on the giving ladder, we said, um, these, these are really the five categories that we know of people in the church. There are potential givers. These are people that could give, but they do not give for whatever reason. Maybe they haven't seen it as part of discipleship. Maybe they haven't seen it as part of faith. You know, when we're narrow-minded, we think the church wants us to give an offering because the church wants to build a building. But when we're kingdom-minded, we understand God created giving so he could build our faith. And so these are potential givers that maybe they don't understand that. They haven't been able to trust God in the area of finances yet. And then there are emerging givers. Those are people that give whenever, however, maybe 10 bucks here, 20 bucks here, 50 bucks here, however that works. And then there, and then there are consistent givers. These are people that give you know, $200 a month or $100 a paycheck or $500 a month or, or maybe they give an offering of $1,000 a year. Whatever that is, they give it consistently, but it's not what the Bible talks about when the Bible talks about a tithe, the first 10% of our increase, that's the tithe, and that's the next category, the tithe gives, where we give the first 10%. And the Bible talks about that, and, and, and to me, I'll tell you, my heart for everyone in this church is that you become a tithe giver. And the reason is because it unlocks some things for you. 
It rebukes the devourer. It opens the windows of heaven. It fills your, you know, Proverbs said it's going to fill your barns. Your presses are going to burst out with new wine. Not only that, Hebrews 7 says that when we give the tithe here, mortal men receive it, but there Jesus receives it and his testimony that he lives. So every time you give the tithe, you're saying Jesus is Lord. He is Lord of my life. He is Lord of my finances. He is Lord of everything. And so I want everyone to experience the blessing that comes through being a tithe giver. And then there's extravagant givers. It's the level where Julie and I are. We give above our 10%. We give our first 10%. Every time I'm paid, I, I, I go online. I give the first 10% to the Lord. But um, beyond that, we give. And, and where Arise is concerned, we're even giving beyond that. And so what I ask everybody to do is just to say, hey, where are you at on this ladder? And, and then the next question is a really important question. Where does God want you to be? Because I'll never ask you to do more than what God asks you to do. But I'll also never ask you to do less than what God asks you to do. And today, I don't need you to participate in Arise because it's going to change my life. I need you to participate in Arise because it's going to change your life. And that's the truth of it. And so I'm asking everyone to pray about where does God want you to be? And, and I can unashamedly say, I'm not, I'm not ashamed to tell you. Just like I would tell you, I want everyone to walk in freedom. I want everyone to walk in purpose. I want everyone to be saved. I want everyone to have healthy relationships. I want everyone... To, to make sure that the Lord is really the Lord of their finances and experience the blessings and increase that come from that. I say it unashamedly because I know what it changes. Like Paul said, the fruit to your credit. That's what I want to see. And so here, here's how this is going to happen. On week five, that's in two weeks. Everybody say two weeks. Two weeks. In two weeks, we're all going to make commitments. If you're a Pathway family, you're going to make a commitment. I want 100% participation in this process. Now, if you want to write on there, hey, I'm a potential giver and I'm going to stay a potential giver because I just don't see the value or need to give to the local church, that's okay with me. Just be honest, right? Just be honest. I just want 100% participation. I don't think any of our people are going to stay there, but at the same time, if you're just like, mm, I don't care what you say, not giving a dime, Blah, 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 blah. What? That's okay. I just want participation. Does that make sense? And so I want every family to fill out one of these commitment cards. And now for, for, for the average family, for most of us, we're going to give something. So that's how this is going to go. Um, but on that first blank, it asks this question or, or has this amount, what we normally give or what we gave last year to Pathway. And so this is your giving to Pathway. And so when you get to this um, card, by the way, it's page 14 in your book, if you want to study it there along. But when you get to this commitment, you're going to say, well, last year, let's say Bob and Nancy last year gave $5,000 and we celebrate that. Praise God. We celebrate any step on that ladder, any step up, because that is growth. That is trusting God. That is moving forward. That's taking the next step. But let's say Bob and Nancy last year gave $5,000. We would celebrate that. Bob and Nancy, good job. Way to step forward with God in your faith and in trusting him. But, but let's say Bob and Nancy are now praying about it and they're like, you know, we're, we gave $5,000. We give consistently, but, but, but we're not really a tithe giver because we make our household incomes $100,000 a year. And so we feel like God's calling us to be a tithe giver. And so we're, we know to increase to a tithe, we would have to give an additional 5,000 this year. And so they would write this, hey, we're going to add 5,000. So our new normal giving for this 24 months of Arise is 
$10,000. And now we're going to be a tithe giver, $10,000. But a rise is a two-year commitment, not a one-year commitment. And so if you multiply that by two, their arise commitment now is a $20,000 commitment. Praise God for Bob and Nancy stepping forward with Jesus and trusting him more and more, stepping into being a tithe giver. And then that next blank is gifts from stored resources. On week seven, so week five is commitment weekend. Week seven is going to be where we come back and I'll tell you where we're at as a church and what our plan is. And on week seven, um, we, we're going to bring a first fruits offering. And so that's why there's this blank. Go back one blank, guys. So there's this blank that says from stored resources. Let's say Bob and Nancy, they decided to get, they were given 5,000. They decided to become a tithe giver. Now that's 10,000 a year for 24 months. That's 20,000. But they're Dave Ramsey people and they've got some money in their savings account and they feel like, okay, God has spoken to us to give $10,000 out of our savings. So they put that $10,000 here and they would bring that first fruit offering on the seventh week, right? And so that would make their commitment on week five, there's that next blank, guys, their two-year commitment would be $30,000. So do you see how this works? You work through it however God is leading you. You start with, well, what we get? Maybe, maybe you say, well, we didn't give anything last year. We feel like God's, maybe feel like, well, God's called us to be a tithe giver. We see that a lot of times. By the way, last weekend, uh, in the last two weeks of doing rise, we have seven families give for the first time to the kingdom of God through Pathway. And we celebrate that as a next step. Um, next step. And, and, and by the way, this is, um, let me just finish this. So that makes your commitment. But let me show you this envelope. This is really cool too. Um, this is from an 11-year-old. It's from an 11-year-old. And this is what um, she wrote. Um, we, of course, took her name out. But she said, a mount enclosed everything I have. And the enclosed gift is for God and the poor. It was 52 cents. That's awesome. 11 years old. 11 years old. And, uh, and you know, in fact, uh, Julie and I were making our commitment. Our youngest son, our 11-year-old son, uh, he wanted to, to figure out his commitment. And he wants to start at Tithe Giver. And so, um, but I celebrate, man, it's, I think sometimes that's why God loves childlike faith. Because children don't let their brains get in the way of their hearts. You know what I'm saying? As adults, we're like, no, I got to think about it. Got to analyze it. Got to get a spreadsheet, pie chart, <laughs> some kind of bar graph, you know? And kids are like, no, I just want to trust Jesus. I just want to give. I want to take over the world. And so um, anyways, you know, I was thinking about um, my youngest son giving because he was talking to Julie and he started the conversation of what his allowance would be and tithing on his allowance. And, da, da, da. and, and I thought for a minute, I thought, why is it so easy for him to give? And then I realized it's because all the money he has comes from us. <laughs> Why is it so easy for me to give? Because all the money I have comes from God. It's easy for him to say, I'm going to be a tithe giver on my allowance because the allowance is coming from God. It's come from his father every, every week. Mom and dad really comes from Julie, but I know they do it. But anyways, <laughs> mom and dad... Why is it so easy for us to give? Why should it be so easy for us to give? Because everything we have comes from him. We're just returning to him the part that he's asked for. So anyway, so that's how we're going to do it. So hopefully you'll pray about that, walk through that process. And um, I believe if we, if we all hear from God and just simply do what God's called us to do for the next 24 months, I think we're going to be amazed at what God does. Amen? Amen? Are you excited? I'm kind of excited just to see what happens. Just to see what happens. I think it's going to be awesome. Um, get your Bible and turn with me to um, Genesis chapter 12. 
Genesis chapter 12, and uh, we're in this series called Arise. And the way I really wrote the series was I wrote it uh, in a way that if I were going to help you arise, in other words, you know, I've, I've been in ministry for 20 years. I've um, followed God for most of my life, and I've read a lot, studied a lot, been a pastor, worked with a lot of people, counseled a lot of people, helped a lot of people, led people. And I kind of took all that, bolted it down and said, okay, if I want to see people step out into their purpose, there's like five things. If I could just tell them five things, uh, this is kind of the five things that I would tell you. Like, and so that's why there, it's kind of a, a journey. And so if you're missing any of these, you can go back and watch the videos online uh, or through the app or whatever. But, but I want you to take the journey because week one, we talked about defining moments. And, and if I'm really going to do what God's called me to do, I just have to step into my moment. I've got to hear God, trust God, and I've got to step into that moment. That if I'm going to do what God's called me to do, I have to step out of my comfort zone if I'm going to step into my calling. And so we talked about the power of defining moments and what they reveal and what they show us. And then last week, we talked about the power of trust, that if I'm really going to step into my calling, there's going to be a time where we're trusting God wars against my own understanding. And a lot of times we don't talk about this, but most of the time, these are mutually exclusive terms. What I understand and what trusting God looks like are, are not, not the same, right? Like, can I, can I give you another cool story? Yes. Sure, I can. All right, so another cool story. So, so as an elder, uh, as an as an elder body, as an elder group, uh, we we as elders of the church felt like, hey, we we want to live what we're saying, and we want to sow, we want to give, and we felt like God was asking us before we got to commitment weekend to sow. Um, into another church, into a church that needed a building uh, or something like that. And so, uh, believe it or not, uh, last time Alan Smith was here, a good, good friend, Alan Smith, Pastor uh, Alan and Nancy, Pastor Catch the Fire DFW. They're great friends, Julie and I. We love them. And, and he's usually here once or twice a year speaking to us. Um, but they, um, they were in the process when he came, they had identified a building that they felt like they could buy. And then they needed to renovate it. And and so, um, anyways, when, when I talked to the elders about it, I'm like, hey, we were praying about this. Here's this opportunity. And we agreed, hey, we ought to sow. And so check this out. This is cool uh, because we will send the check this week uh, because they got the building and now they're about to, to, they're trying to raise funds to renovate the building. And so this week we're sending them, you, I, we are sending them $50,000 to help with their building. Come on, somebody. That's good news. And, and so, but here's the thing. That doesn't really make sense. It's not a good plan when you need $10 million. It's not a good plan to give 50000 away. But that's what trusting in God looks like. You see, they're not always saying. So we talked about that last weekend. This week, I want to talk about uh, really what I want to talk about. And I'll tell you the title in a minute. But what I want to talk about is the why the why. I want you to understand, um, to me, and this is what I think is, is sometimes missing with, with church, really, and a lot of things, but, but sometimes what's missing with church is we think what we do, well, we, we, we do church. And that, that's true, but that's, that's not nearly as important as why we do it. And, and like for you individually, like if you're really going to do what God's called you to do, you need to understand why more than what? And, and guys, we're real bad about this, truthfully, aren't we? Because if you put two guys together for about four minutes, what's the first thing, guys, we're going to say, hey, what do you do? Well, I'm a lawyer. What do you do? Well, I'm an engineer. Cool. 
play golf. You know, it's like, you know, that's, that's what we're going to say. And, and, and here's the thing is that um, that's good, but there's a difference in what we do and why we do it. Let, let me help you with this. See, to me, I think there's a divine order. And you can even see it um, with John 3.16. For God, who so loved the world, that's why, that he gave, that's what? Very simple. See, God, God always works from who to why to what. Unfortunately, a lot of organizations, a lot of people work from what to who. And this is why people start trying to get their identity out of their position. I've been to that church. It's not a good church to go to where the pastor tries to get the end. See, for me, being a pastor is what I do. It's not who I am. Right? So let me help you. Here's mine. Let me, let me give you an example. So who am I? I'm a son of God. And, and you are too. You get to be one too. That's called grace. Right? I'm a son of God, not because I earned my way into the family, but because Jesus paid so God could adopt me. Come on, somebody. You better help me out this morning. You better help a brother out or we will be here for hours. <laughs> Who am I? I'm a son of God. Why am I? Well, generally, why am I? is his kingdom come, his will be done. It's the same why he gave Adam. It's the same why Jesus had. It's the same why he gave the disciples. But more specifically, for me, I love watching people grow. I love watching people find their purpose, find their calling, and step into it. It's my favorite thing. That's my why, right? What? Well, I'm a pastor. Do you see that? So, so, I could actually not be a pastor and still be the same person and still have the same purpose. The problem comes when we identify the what with the purpose instead of the why with the purpose. Like, let me help you. We didn't start Pathway to have church. That would be a what. We started Pathway to help people live their best life, step into their purpose and pursue their calling and see what God could do through them. Right? Are you getting this? Yeah. Let me give you five questions you could ask yourself if you want to find your why. Number one, who or what energizes you? What fires you up? All right? For me, I get fired up when people take a next step, right? When I hear testimonies like I heard about Switch and how God was moving, and, and I said giving envelopes like I did for this um, 11-year-old girl, and, I, and, and I, those type of testimonies, when I watch the video like we did in the beginning, and we start seeing how people are telling their story about how God is transforming, I get fired up. I get fired up when people take their next step. Do you know what? Here's the second question. What frustrates you? You know what frustrates me? When people are stuck and stay stuck. When they are the tree planted by the water and they're not going to move, even if you set them on fire, we've always been this way, we've always done it this way, we're always going to be this way, we've always thought this way, we've always had this problem, never really done anything. This makes me nuts. I'm tiny right now. I just soon run my head into a wall. Because to me, when a person's like, I'm going to stay stuck and they're living in denial and they're not sure and they're not trying to figure it out and they're not taking responsibility and they're not moving forward and they're not taking their next steps and they're just kind of like, that drives me crazy. I can't hang out with that person. That's why I'm going to write a book called No One Wants to Hang Out with Eeyore. No one's like, well, I always say, someone stole my tail. No, I don't, we're not doing that. 
And so what, what energizes you? What frustrates you? Here's the, here's the third thing. What are you good at? What are you good at? What gifts, abilities has God given you? Talents? What, what's God put in your hand? Kind of like, I love the story of Moses. Moses is like, God, how, how am I going to deliver a nation? And God's like, what's in your hand? Moses is like, a stick. And God said, that'll do. Here's a question for you. What's in your hand? It doesn't have to be impressive. It just has to be something in your hand. You may think it's nothing. You may think it's a stick. And God's like, I can deliver a nation with that stick. So what's in your hand? Here's, a, here's a, the fourth question. Who can you help? See, the way God... The way God designed us is our why always affects a who. Because God's all about people. And so our why, our purpose, is always going to affect a who. Right? Even if you're a CPA in an office somewhere, there's a who. And, and then here's the last one is what can you do that can make a difference? Like what, what opportunity do you have? What open door do you have? Right? What idea do you have? What, what, what can you do that can make a difference? Answer those five questions. What, what fires me up? What frustrates me? What am I good at? Who do I want to help? What opportunity? What do I have in front of me that's an opportunity for me? And, and if, you'll, if you'll answer those questions, it will start moving you towards, towards your why. And that's for me. I want everybody not just to know who, but also to know why. And then what? Um. And so we're talking about finding our why, and what I really want to talk about today, and that's kind of the bonus material, because what I want to talk about is the why of pathway. Because I don't want you to be confused. I don't want you to think we're here to do church services. We do them, but that's not exactly why we're here. Does that make sense? And, and if, you, if you're not sure about that, it could be confusing, and you might actually miss out. There are people who miss out on the benefit of Pathway because you think we're a church that does church services, and you attend our church services, and you enjoy them or like them or for whatever reason, you come back, you know, God bless you. And if you think we're a church and the goal of the church is to do church services, you've totally missed the point, point. and I want to help you find the point. So in Genesis chapter, tw chapter 12, I'm, I'm going to walk you through something really quick because people sometimes are confused by it. But, but I, I want to start here. It says, it says, Abram took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, and all his wealth, his livestock. Now watch this phrase. And all the people he had taken into his household at Haran. All the people he had taken his household at Haran, and he headed for the land of Canaan. Now that's Genesis 12, where God says, Abraham, go to the land of Canaan. Well, if you look back at Genesis 11, so you need to understand, um, Genesis 11 said, Terah, that's Abraham's father, took his son Abram, his grandson Lot, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, and together they set out from Ur of the Chaldeans to Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there, and Terah lived 205 years, and he died in Haran. And, and so it's like, well, now this gets a little bit confusing, because now we see Abraham's dad, and, and they're heading to Canaan, but they end up stopping in Haran. And then Acts 7, I think, actually gives all the clarification. Acts 7, verse 2, it says, Brethren and fathers, listen, the God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he dwelt in Haran, so this is back in Ur, and said to him, get out of your country and from your relatives and come to the land that I will show you. And then he came out of the land of the Chaldeans and dwelt in Haran. And from there, when his father was dead, he moved him to this land which you now dwell. And, and so here, here's... 
You can understand the timeline, but essentially what most people believe is Abraham was living in Ur and God spoke to him. But then when Abraham, um, I, we, we don't know that God spoke to Terah, but we know Terah went with Abram, that they all moved as a family. And for whatever reason, they stopped at Haran. And it's at Haran that Terah, Abram's dad, passes away. And then from that point, Abraham leaves or Abram leaves Haran and moves to um, the land of Canaan. And most people feel like, well, they moved from, from um, Ur to Haran, and then God spoke to Abram at Haran. And truthfully, God spoke, as, as Stephen said in Acts 7, God spoke to Abram at Ur. And he moved from Ur with his father, and then his father passed away. They settled around then. And some people say, well, then God reaffirmed the call. We don't really have that scripture. We just have it one time. But from there, they went to the land of Canaan. There you go, Bible trivia. Here's the point. Here's the point. God called a family. God called a family. Abram, his father, his, everyone in that house, God called the family. And when they went to Haran and, and Terah passed away, Abram took everyone in his house and headed to Canaan. God called a family. I believe there's always a man in a family, a family in a church, a church in a city, a city in a nation, a nation in a world. I believe God calls a family. And, and so what I really want to talk about today is our tribal anointing. And that's what I'm going to call it, our tribal anointing. Um, because I think um, there's, there is a calling on pathway that is different from other churches. Not that it's superior. Please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. It's different. We're trying to be pathway. We're not trying to be better. Does that make sense? We measure ourselves against ourselves. Actually, we measure ourselves against God's calling on us. Do you see what I'm saying? It's always bad when churches or leaders start measuring themselves against other churches or leaders because we don't all have the same anointing. We don't all have the same calling. And that's why I think God needs every church. If it's a church of 12 people, praise God. If the Holy Spirit is there, they're anointed for something. And if God, if, if there's a church of a million people, even though I don't know of one offhand, but anyways, unless it's in Korea. But, but if there's a church that big, then... then um, they're called as well. And, and so we're not, it's not about being superior. It's about being us. Does that make sense? But there's a reason why we're here, right? And that's what we need to know. Why, just like you need to know why you are here, we need to know why Pathway is here. We need to know what our trial. In fact, when, when the children of Israel go into the promised land, um, if you look the way they settled in it, different tribes took different parts of the land. And some tribes had like port cities and some farmed. And then the Levites didn't have land. They were the priests, right? They all had different anointings and different functions. And God called, well, this tribe's going to be here and do this. And this tribe's going to be here and do this. And this tribe's going to be good at this. Do you see what I'm saying? They didn't do the same things. They weren't in the same place. The way they inherited the promise was every tribe found their place and their anointing. Um, when Julie and I got married, she said, I married into the tribe of Levi. Because my grandfather's a pastor, my dad's a pastor, and on my mom's side, there, there are four of us grandkids, and three of us are pastors. My cousin's a pastor, my brother's a pastor, I'm a pastor, my dad's a pastor, granddad's a pastor, granddad's granddad was a pastor. And so she said, I have married the tribe of Levi, you people are the priests, right? Our middle son, or not our middle son, our first son's middle name is Preston, which means priestly, <laughs> Because he, he was just born into the wrong tribe. Or maybe the right tribe. Anyways, depends on how you look at it. So, um, but, but there is this tribal anointing. That's what I want to talk about. So you can write this down. Three things 
where I, I want to share with you about this. And I can't share everything, but I just give you some context. Number one, what's our tribal call? Our tribal call. Well, our tribal call really comes for me for Exodus 25, 8, because it's the scripture that God spoke to me um, before there was a church. And it was this scripture of make them a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. God said, make them a sanctuary, have them make for me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. And so to me, here's what that's about. That's about a God who wants to dwell with a people. So it's about a people and a presence. And so I feel like our tribal cause always bring people and presence together. The, the way it might shock you to know this, but the way that I measure weekend services. Now, there are things that we, we measure because we want to know if we're doing God's uh, vision the right way and if we're being successful. But the number, th- number one thing I measure every weekend is presence. Was God here? I know you're here. I want to know, was God here? Because I'm supposed to bring a people and a presence together. That's what this church is all about, bringing a people and a presence together. That's one of the whys of weekend service, people and a presence. It's one of the whys of worship. People, believe it or not, that worship, that's not just music to play till y'all get, you know, get your kids checked in and get seated. No, no, it's about a people and a presence. And, and we believe that, that when God's people and God's presence come together, it, it comes together, it changes us. In fact, the Bible says we are transformed in the image of the Lord from glory to glory by the Spirit of the Lord. We're transformed, what? By the presence of God. It's His presence that has the DNA that tells us who we are and why we are and what we're to do. That all comes from his presence. And so our tribal call is to always bring the presence together. And so you need to understand, our tribal call is not to have worship services. That's the what. The why is this people and this presence. That is, that's what we're called to do. It's, it's not about religious gatherings. It's not about that. Because the worship service isn't the end, it's the means to the end. I'll tell you what I mean. Our goal is to not get people here to have a service with. Our goal is for the people that come to be filled with the presence, full of faith, fully encouraged and empowered to go to wherever their platform is. Usually your what is your platform. Well, I'm a lawyer. That's your what. I'm a school teacher. That's your what? Your why is to bring the kingdom of heaven on the earth. How do you do that? By the spirit of God. Are are you tracking with me? So for us, we don't consider the win, the weekend attendance. We consider the win sending people out into the world to preach the gospel wherever their platforms are. We consider the win, bringing in, getting you full of the presence, filling you up with faith, encouraging you, getting you excited, and going out. We want a church where 90% of the ministry happens outside of the building. That's why people say, do we have an educational wing in our new church? No, we don't. Number one, cost too much money. Number two, we're trying to get people to go out of the church, not just always live at the church. Right? We want you to come. Praise God you came today. We celebrate that. We're glad that you're here. I would be so sad if you weren't here. And, but I, here's what I hope. I hope today when the service is over, you're like, man, I feel empowered. I feel God has called me to do so. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to leave here and go to my neighborhood and go to my house and go to my workplace and go into the world and make some kind of difference by the spirit of God that is in me. That's what I hope. The worship service is not the end. It's the means to the end. It's the method to get faith and presence and power in your life so you can go do what God called you to do. 
You see what I'm saying? That's our, that's our tribal call. Here's the second thing. Our tribal, um, our tribal, oh, man, I got to tell you a lot more about that. Glad I looked at my notes. Here's how we do this. Let me back up. Here's how we do this, this calling. We put it in these four B words, these four B words, believe, belong, become, and build, because we think that's God's plan for everybody. We believe that's God's plan for everybody. Believe in Jesus, belong to a family, become a disciple, and build God's kingdom. That's what we want every person to do. Believe in Jesus, belong to a family, become a disciple. Because when I look at God's commission on Adam, I can, I can find those four things. When I look at the Great Commission, I can find those four things. When I look at the New Testament, I see those four things. Believe in Jesus, belong to a family, become a disciple. If you're here today and you're like, I don't even know why I'm here. I don't know what I'm supposed to. I just walked in. I, I, God, I wish God would tell me what my, let me help you. I'm telling you, this is God. Believe in Jesus, belong to a family, become a disciple, and build. Well, I don't like that. I don't care. Jesus didn't like going to the cross. Believe in Jesus, belong to a family, become a disciple, and build God's. I'm not sure if I agree with that. Doesn't matter. It's in the Bible. Believe in Jesus, belong to a family, become a disciple, and build God's kingdom. Are you with me? Well, that makes me uncomfortable. It's not about your comfort, it's about His kingdom. Believe in Jesus. <laughs> Are you with me? It's God's plan. And so how do we do this? Believe as weekend services. Believe as weekend services. It's where we come. And, and believe, we had people, like last weekend, we had seven people receive Christ. Isn't that awesome? Seven people receive Christ. And three people receive, three teenagers receive Christ at Switch. We talked about that. But that's, that's belief. But it's not just believing, but continuing to believe. First John uh, chapter 5, verse 13 says this. I love what John says. Is These things I've written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. So he's writing to people who believe, right? Do you see that? Why? So that you'll know you have eternal life. That's good. But watch this. And, and that you may continue to believe. See, when you start following Jesus, you believe something about him, but you didn't believe everything about him because you didn't know everything about him. And can I help you with something? You still don't know everything about him. And so the way we grow is we believe and then we continue to believe. Like, I believed he was my savior, but then he be I believed he was my healer and I believed he could restore and he could redeem and I believed that he could free me and then I believed him about finances and I believed him about relationships. Do you see what I'm saying? See, when I believe in Jesus, I receive eternal life. When I continue to believe in Jesus, I walk in abundant life. And that's what the weekends are about here. It's about moving us forward into what God's called us to do. Then there's belong. You were created to belong to God. We know that. But you're created to belong to a family. You're created to belong to a family. The Bible says we're all members of one body. You belong to, in fact, Paul said this way, we belong to each other. That's kind of crazy, but that's what he says. And so you need to understand that you were created to believe, but you were created to belong not only to God, but to a body. And you can fight it, <laughs> Right? Because when we talk about the New Testament, there's no such thing as a New Testament attender. You belong or you don't. You choose to belong, you choose, and let me say it another way, you engage or you're not. There's no such thing as a New Testament attender. And, and I'll be honest with you, we're okay if this is out of order because what religion says is when you believe like us, you can belong to us. And what we've always said is you can belong to us whether you ever believe like us or not. Amen. Like you can start with belonging. You belong. You're accepted here because of what Jesus did. And so, so 
believe, belong, and then become. We say this is next steps. You know, last weekend, this was pretty cool. Last weekend we had, uh, or the last two weeks, we have seven families give for the first time to the kingdom of God through Pathway. That's a next step. We celebrate that. One of them had never been to our church before. That's pretty awesome. But see, we celebrate next steps just like we celebrate people in life groups and we celebrate people who lead life groups and we celebrate people who go to first step and we celebrate people who serve and we celebrate people who take, take their next step of water baptism. We celebrate next steps because we become who God created us to be one step at a time. Paul wrote to the Romans and said this, you're not slaves, you're sons. Why is that? Because this whole idea of identity, right? The fall crushed us and we don't know who we are. And we got to know who we are so we know why we are, so we know what we're supposed to do. And, and this is how we know who we are. Like next steps, it's devotional time, right? It's freedom ministry. It's life group ministry. You know, it's, it's walking in all these things one step at a time. Helps me to become who God created me to be. The last one is build. Build. God created us to believe, belong, become, and build. And, and, and I'll just, instead of explaining this, we do this through the dream team. But let me explain. Instead of explaining it, let me just give you a story. Uh, we have a man in our church. His name is Bill Graham. Many people probably know Bill Graham. Bill and Amanda are wonderful people. But I remember when Bill and Amanda first came to the church. They were still wonderful people. They were hurt. They, 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 they didn't really trust church, I don't think. A little disenfranchised with it, you know. And, and, um, but they came. You know why they came? Someone invited them. Found people, find people. And they came to the Ramada. You would, you'd only understand if you were there. And so they came, and I remember Bill and Amanda used to sit on the back left. The Ramada was so small, I knew where everybody sat. We only had one service. Now we have three, and everybody moves around. You change service times. I don't even know who's here. I'm not even sure this is my church. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but... <laughs> But, but they came, and after a little while, I think one of our other ushers got to meet Bill and said, hey, would you consider being an usher? And he thought, well, I guess I would. It would be harmless. And I can't tell you all of his story, but I can say he started with being an usher, serving. He, today, he's still an usher. In fact, he's an usher captain. He's also a life group leader and a life group coach. And that's awesome, right? Because that's awesome. But remember, our goal is ministry outside of the walls, not just inside of the walls. So here's the cool thing about about Bill's story, is while he does all those things here at Pathway, and thank God, I mean, he is helping men. He leads a men's group. He's helping men. He's coaching other life group leaders, and he's leading ushers, and that's wonderful. But you know what's really cool? He's also a vital part of an organization called Christ to the World. And Christ to the World takes Scripture and puts it kind of in a dramatic fashion, kind of storytelling dramatic fashion, and then they put it in native languages of countries and they broadcast it all over the countries through the radio, scripture and the gospel. And they're broadcasting in countries where literally he was telling me the story. Um, they were trying to get into one of the Middle Eastern countries. And um, here's the problem they were having. They couldn't get a translator because in some places, if the translator was found out to have translated the Bible into that language and, and did that work for them, they would be put to death. But you know, this morning, in, in, in probably a hundred countries around the world, the gospel is going out on the airwaves, and Bill Graham's a part of that. Yeah. Believe, belong, become, and build. Here's the second thing, our tribal anointing. 
our tribal anointing. Our tribal anointing is, is just some words that stick out to us as we start. Number one, grace. Because, because grace says you're accepted even if you mess up. And grace is a big thing for us here. It's not just a word. It's not just a song. Grace is what separates my experience from my performance. Grace separates my experience from my performance. Let me explain what I mean by that. Would you want to experience what your performance has earned from God? Aren't you so glad you get to experience what Jesus' performance has done from, right? Aren't you so glad about, I know I am because I need a little grace, right? Right? If you're sitting in here and you're thinking, I don't need any grace, you're, okay. You need to get saved. But, but grace is this, Jesus paid it all. And, and he paid the bill. And my, my relationship is now maintained by Jesus through what he did, not by what I do. So on my worst day, I can go to the throne of grace. And on my best day, I can go to the... And if I screw up, God doesn't disown me. And I don't have to start over with God, right? It, it says this, if my, if my behavior is not about my behavior, if my behavior can't save me, which it can't, then my behavior can't sentence me. I'm saved by faith. I'm saved by grace through faith. It's my belief that Jesus paid it all. Now, that doesn't mean, oh, he's paid it all, let's go act stupid. No, no, I would say those people probably aren't saved because when you really see what Jesus has done for you, you want to use grace to get close to him, not use grace to see how far away from him you can live and still be saved. And so grace, and then, and then this idea of freedom, this was a huge one. And, and what we said is, that, that, like I said a minute ago, the fall crushed everybody. And, and just like Paul wrote to the Romans and said, you're not slaves, you're sons. We want to see people take that journey from coming out of, if you will, here's a picture in the Old Testament, coming out of Egypt and walking into the promised land. And that's a journey of identity. And we want to see God restore and heal the brokenness of the soul. That's what freedom is about. And then there's purpose. We believe you're created on purpose for a purpose. And, and then there's this idea of honor, that honor's about seeing who you are and not stumbling over who you're not. We've said from the very beginning, we believe everyone's a 10 in some way, in some area, in some place. Everyone's a 10. And so we want to see who you are and not stumble over who you're not. Amen. Like, I hope that's, like, I need grace and I need honor because someone asked me one time, how, what's pastoral ministry like? I said, basically disappointing people at a rate they can stand because <laughs> I'm human and I'm going to make mistakes and you're going to have to have grace and you're going to have to choose to see what God's doing in me and not stumble over where God's still working. Amen. And so to, to us, yeah, thank you. That's <laughs> over so us. That's honor. And then for us, this, this idea of kingdom, that the kingdom is first. The church isn't first. The kingdom is first. Our goal isn't church services. Our goal is kingdom. Our why is kingdom. Our what is we do services and life groups and those type of things. But our why is that we seek first the kingdom of God. And we believe that God actually, um, that the gospel tells us that we're not trying to get everybody into heaven. We're actually here as ambassadors for Christ, and we're, ha we're, we're here to help usher heaven into the earth. That's why Jesus told you to pray, Lord, you know, our Father who art in heaven, he didn't say, how be your name? Lord, help us to die and go to heaven. He said, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We believe that's what God wants. That's when you see Adam, Jesus, and the New Testament, and, and the Great Commission. That's what you see. And so we're not necessarily trying to get people into heaven. We're trying to get heaven into people. We're trying to get heaven into the earth. Do you, do you see? And so this, these, these, are the, these are the things. This is our why. 
And then, and then here's the last thing, our tribal commitment. Our tribal commitment. Um, it summed up really quickly, number one, I think we help people grow. We see this in Ephesians 4, 16. It says he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow. Like when we do what we're called to do, it helps other people grow. It moves other people towards Jesus. Isn't that the testimony you want with your life? Is that your life helped other people move towards Jesus and towards their purpose and towards their calling? That's the, that's the story that I want told of me, right? And so we help people grow. And, and then here's the second thing. We, we help each other get back up. I love this uh, verse from Ecclesiastes. It says, two people are better off than one for they can help each other succeed. If one falls, the other can reach out and help, but someone who falls alone is in real trouble. See, I think for too long, um, the church has shot its wounded and kicked people who fell. And, and if you don't believe me, next time a pastor makes a mistake, watch social media. Right? I, I, there are people who have ministries, I don't think they understand the concept, that really just scrutinize and criticize other ministers. And we don't think something's broken. And so what, what we say is, no, 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 two's better than one because when one falls, you got somebody to help you get back up again. We believe the Bible says that a righteous man falls seven times, but seven times he rises. In other words, you're not unrighteous because you fell. You're righteous because you didn't stay down. What makes you righteous is you're still standing, you're still up, you're still moving, right? And, and here we help each other win, we help each other succeed, we help each other grow and we help each other get back up. And here you're welcome to fall, we're going to help you back up. Do you hear what I'm saying? Are you with me? We're not going to, we're not going to, if you fall, we're not going to call someone with one of those prayer requests. Well, we need to pray for Bob because you know what I heard. See, that's religion and that sucks. We don't do that. What we do is we say, hey, I heard Bob made a mistake and I'm in his life group and I'm on my way to his house and I help Bob get back up again. I'm going to help him win. I'm going to help him in his family. I'm going to help him in his calling. I'm going to help him in his purpose. I don't have time to gossip about it. I'm trying to help Bob grow. <laughs> Amen. I went to that church. I want to invite you into staff meeting as I kind of close this because I, I talked to our staff a couple weeks ago and I talked to them a lot about the difference between why and what. And, uh, and I used this example. Here's an example. Um, I, most of you know Dell Computers, right? Good company. You may have a Dell. Awesome. Um, but you know, Dell Computers tried to make MP3 players or they did make them. And you know what? We didn't buy them. And you know why we didn't buy them? Because it didn't make sense to buy an MP3 player from a computer company. Anybody have an iPod? See, we bought iPods from Apple, but we didn't buy MP3 players from Dell. What's the difference? It was really just in the why. See, Dale said, we make computers. That's not why, that's what. We make good computers at a reasonable cost, whatever their mission. That's what we do. We make computers. We're a computer company. And we decided to make MP3 player. We said, well, I'm going to buy MP3 player from a computer company. That makes sense. What Apple said is, we challenge the status quo of technology by making 
products that are beautiful, sleek, fun, and easy to operate. We happen to make computers and iPods and tablets and phones and watches and TV streaming devices. Would you want to buy one? We're like, how cool. See, the difference is Dale told us what they did. Apple told us why they existed. So I was talking to our staff about it and said, I'm afraid people may look and think, we do weekend services and life groups and kids ministry and student ministry. And I want you to see it that way. The reason Pathway began was to challenge the status quo of religiosity. To say, hey, God can use you if you're a mess. And it's okay to come to church and be a mess. It's okay to be screwed up and messed up. We're not going to stay there, but it's okay. to. Sh- you don't have to put on a mask. You don't have to pretend to be something that you're not. You don't have to act like you've got it all together when your world is falling apart. We came to challenge the status quo that this isn't about attending something. This is about being engaged in a process that will bring you into the fulfillment of your calling and purpose. This is not about trying to get you to come to our church. This is about what we're offering you in the area of identity and freedom and grace and honor. Are you with me on this? That we're not just trying to have ministries and church services. We're trying to teach people. This isn't about religion or religiosity. No one's judging. No one's criticizing. But Jesus has saved us all. And through his blood, you have purpose and you have redemption and you have a calling. And by his spirit, you can walk it out in freedom and in integrity and in care. You can bear fruit, fruit under righteousness, and God can use your life to change somebody else's life. You didn't come today for a church service. You came to hear somebody say, there is hope, and there is purpose, and there is calling, and God has put something in you he didn't put in anybody else, and we're trying to help you find it so you can leave here and change the world that you live in. We're challenging all the status quo about church. We'll change music. We'll change lighting. We'll stand on our heads. We may dress weird. It doesn't matter. It's not about what we're doing. It's about why. His kingdom come. His will be done on this earth and through my life. Lord, let it be done. Yes. Amen. <laughs> Amen. I feel better. <laughs> Sometimes you don't hit that release valve, let that pressure out, something's going to explode. <laughs> Amen. Why don't you stand with me? <laughs>